Listeners be advised, the Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holy Loki podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and also for you freaky motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. On today's episode, we are talking about, you know, going to work. We got this nine to five. We have to do all these things. Hold up. No, we're not. We're talking about that sexy shit. We're talking about sex work, and we're going to dive deeply into that. And on today's episode, I am blessed to have Melissa with me. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to have you. Look, y'all, <laughs> this is the talkative introvert, and like, I'm happy to have her with us. Do you mind telling everybody about your podcast, telling them about yourself? Just let everybody get to know you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I host the Talkative Introvert podcast. We talk about all things introversion, but also like I've opened it up to really just talk about whatever we want anything. And I've like had guests on talk about different things. I have a episode recently about teen mental health. I have new ones coming out one, like with a stand-up comedian, Shane Rogers, if you don't know him, um, we talk about all kinds of stuff, body dysmorphia, emotional intelligence or emotional baggage or stuff like that. I don't know, all kinds of things, but yeah. And a little bit about me. Um, well, I'm a talkative introvert. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I definitely recommend y'all listen to our podcast. Oh, I listened to that uh, question and answer episode that y'all had. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. And I did not, I never thought about like actually going to like, um, what's that site called? Not, Re- was it Reddit? Yeah, Reddit. Yeah, and it was Reddit. Up, like uh, relationship questions and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh-huh. that was smart. That was extremely smart. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we were like, what are we going to talk about? And then I was like, well, let's go to Bailey. I was thinking, oh, my friend Bailey, who was on the episode, uh, she's a frequent guest. Uh, she was like, let's, you know, go to Reddit. People ask questions all the time. So why can't we answer them? That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, like I remember just listening to everything. Like <laughs> I was in the uh, line for like, what was it? I think I was going to Long John Silver's to like get dinner and whatnot. And I was like, you know what? Let me just not get this food. And I literally just went driving for a little while, just finished up the episode before I actually stopped and got food. Um, oh. it's, it's very informative, y'all. Definitely recommend that episode. It came out in May. The end of May, wasn't it? Or was it I don't um, know anymore. June? Once it's out, it's out. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Y'all go back. Just listen to everything. Binge it. Oh, thank you. It's a it's a it's a wonderful podcast, y'all. It is a, it's wonderful. Um, on that note, uh, we are here to talk about sex work, and I know we did talk about it like in a lot more detail um, it, within the intake meeting. Uh, and one of the topics we are going to go into is the um, like decriminalizing sex work. But before we go into that, what are your personal views on sex work in general? So, um, yeah, we did talk about a little bit before the audience, you know, I personally believe in decriminalizing sex work. 
I came from a very religious background. And so sex was not talked about. It's kind of a taboo, you know, sex was, it was mainly for marriage and having babies, you know, like that's the main purpose. There's not really pleasure involved. And, and so I had that mindset growing up that, um, you know, people who are in this industry are, it's just a heinous act. Like they're dirty, they're terrible people, they're sinful and all this stuff. But like, as I've gone grown older and, you know, it really was college age when I took my human sexuality class. And even before that, like I was already (laughs) stepping out the door from my church, (laughs) like, you know, thinking differently. And I realized like, you know, sex is normal. It's, it's something that we do. It's not just for babies (laughs) or making babies. And there really isn't anything wrong with, you know, necessarily sex work. And it's, it's just work. Sex work is just work. Yes, yes. And of course, I agree with everything that you said and have similar experiences, most definitely with my upbringing. Uh, Can I say I was a very big church goer because Sundays were like the bane of my existence. However, (laughs) when we did go to church, I did walk away with a little bit of a word. So Mm -hmm. I'm not that much of a heathen people. Don't judge me yet. (laughs) (laughs) If you're not judging me now, don't let that be the reason to judge. (laughs) But definitely, like, uh, even just the lack of sex education and just um, the thought that, oh, these people are just so, um, like, heinous, their their Mm -hmm. actions, their pornography is um, to, like, change your mind, to change who you are, make you somebody that you're not, to make you a lot more sexual, that you have to be very restricted and, like, tight ass, let's put it that way. And I'm like looking at these videos like yes they might turn me on but i uh even like felt jealous of them in the sense that they are that open with people that they will be doing this on camera and i'm like for myself at the time i'm not that brave to do that uh and who am i to like say that they're wrong for doing something that me personally, I'm not brave enough to do. I don't have that confident, that level of confidence to do something like that. Uh, And that's one of the things that I, uh, that made me admire sex work a lot more is because of that vulnerability that they're providing for others who are engaging in their content. Yeah. And also like on that, there's, I feel like people are against sex work also because if they're little girls or little boys or whatever, watch, you know, watch porn or watch these things, they're like, they're going to become strippers or they're going to become part of the sex work industry. And for me, like, even though I'm more sex positive and more open to it, like, I'm still pretty conservative. Like, I don't really wear super short dresses. And I don't know if that's from my conservative background, but like, I, I didn't change me. I didn't go out become a stripper just because <laughs> I'm more sex positive. And yeah, like same what you're saying too. Like, I think it's so, I don't know, is brave the right word to say that they're out there and doing that? Like I do admire their confidence. Like mm-hmm. I love the confidence and how it like shines through them. And I, yeah, admire that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I say definitely more on the very confident versus brave um because we do uh like as a culture do use that word very frequently for things that are not like heroic so yeah (laughs) i know i'm like careful about using brave (laughs) because it it can be kind of (laughs) negative right right um so i i I know most definitely in california um it's like one of the hugest uh, sex industries, uh, especially within this uh, country. So I do see that like it's not as criminalized there, but they um, do, you know, focus on uh, sex trafficking as well, because that I, I view those separately too. Mm-hmm. Um, because sex trafficking is more so people who are being forced within into sex work versus um, those who are sex workers who are um, those who are doing this willingly, who want to do this, who are uh, who are wanting to make money based off of their sexual expression, their sexuality, as well as because you know sex work is. Um, there's different types of it, which we can go into uh, later, um, but. 
I hate the fact that across the board, sex work does not have that support that uh, most will find if they're in uh, California. Um, if if we looked in, lived in uh, like a just world, what would you think like the decriminalized image of sex work would be at that point? So if we decriminalize sex work, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. I think it would help reduce you know, sex trafficking, human trafficking, because that is a huge problem right now. Um, I'm sure it's a huge problem everywhere, but especially like in California and especially where I live, we're like the epicenter of like human trafficking. And Mm. uh, we have like, I don't know if people know this about, you know, Sacramento, but there is like a huge gonorrhea and like syphilis issue here. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's like well known, but it's a big problem because we are, sorry, I'm like, I know I'm going like off topic, but like our Sacramento, you kind of go through it when you're going like from South to North or North to South. And then we have all the major freeways all like bunched up and they all go through Sacramento. So like every hotel around the freeway exits, people just, if you live here, you just know that. The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss include kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. every hotel around the freeway exits people just if you live here you just know that that's where you know um prostitution and human trafficking happen and you Mm. do see like cop cars all the time uh but oh what oh no no what were you saying oh i was gonna say like you know in the just world like we i think there'd be less of that like less of um just like STDs and STI probably like, you know, sexually transmitted diseases. And I think that we would have safer spaces for workers too. And I know it's uh, sex work isn't just prostitution, but that is like one of the biggest issues that we have right now is just, um, is that, uh, but yeah, I think the world would be just safer overall for all the workers, uh, like having, I'm just like repeating myself. Sorry. I'm just like, no, you're good. You're good. (laughs) <laughs> you are perfectly fine but I, I do like that um what you just told us about um you know Sacramento because that makes me think of like here in Georgia Atlanta is uh, a major spot for uh human trafficking too uh, most definitely with it being an international uh having an international airport the biggest in this country well one mm-hmm. of the biggest in the country where um, people from overseas are tr- still trafficking people through you know Atlanta. And uh, on top of that, like Georgia in general is just like a huge place for human trafficking. Let's be real. Um, Like um, Macon is another place uh, where uh, since it's the center of the pretty much the middle of um, the state, you have a lot of people who um, go through there to either, you know, traffic people, you can uh, get to Florida through Macon by making one turn. You can get to South Georgia uh, another way. You can um, go straight back to Atlanta, wherever it is. Like Macon is uh, in a strategic place that is like two hours away from all major cities in this uh, in this state. Uh, so that causes issues most definitely when it comes to uh, locating people, locating victims of uh, human trafficking and whatnot, because you don't know which route a person uh, made. Uh, But I also agree that if um, sex work was decriminalized, that will reduce the uh, amount of human trafficking, because think about when it comes to the the decriminalization of (laughs) marijuana, 
I don't know mm-hmm. why that was so hard. Um, that reduced That's a big the, word. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> that reduced the amount of um, drug cases that was going around. Granted, there's still a black market for um, other oh, things, yeah. but that black market only exists because it's, the, uh, it's uh, um, still federally um, criminal to have marijuana. Mm-hmm. But uh, in states like Colorado, California, you have an increase in what profits, you also have a decrease in drug related crime mm-hmm. outside of marijuana. Uh, well, well, outside of marijuana, there's a little bit different. But you know, in terms of marijuana, right, right. there's a reduction of crime that way. So mm-hmm. whenever you do uh, transition that to like the human body in our sexual expression, I assume that there will be a decrease there as well. Yeah. Um, because there's no market for it. There's no way that you can make bodies off of somebody else, uh, make dollars off of someone's body without it being regulated um, right. as a business. So I think that will um, make a huge impact and as well as improve our sex education because sex education in general is not funded. Um, mm-hmm. in decriminalizing sex work means that we can change the stigma behind it, which means we can change the stigma around sex education, making sure that's more comprehensive and more um, engaging throughout a, a, a child's life, make sure that the parents have the tools that they need to have these conversations with their children, just in case if they don't want the school to do it, they can do it at home in a proper right. and within context that's beneficial to them. But yeah, there's a lot that decriminalizing sex work can do uh, for the country overall if we yeah. make that decision. Yeah. And that also extends, like, I know we talked a lot about decreasing human trafficking, but that extends to also rape victims who are sex workers, you know, because right now, um, if someone is a rape victim, but they're also known to be a prostitute, like you can't really take their, you know, people don't take them seriously. Like the justice system doesn't take them seriously because they're already doing something illegal and they can't quite go to the justice system because then they're going to end up getting, you know, I forgot what it is now. I don't think it's a fine. I think you actually go to jail mm. for um, prostitution in California. I should have looked it up before. <laughs> my bad. No, you're good. But in many <laughs> in many um, states, cities, it that it does lead to jail time, and the person who's paying for the prostitution doesn't really get that much uh, time either. They just get a slap on the wrist. Even when yeah. it comes to those who perpetrate rape, they get less time than someone who has been raped. Um, like in those situations, and that's mm-hmm. unfair to that person. And one of the things I wrote on for my dissertation is. Uh, how, uh, like, when it comes to utilizing resources, public services, um, those people who have been victims of um, sex trafficking, how you have to change the language for people to actually take them seriously. You cannot uh, call them prostitutes, like in uh, certain um, contexts, um, because let's say if it's psychological uh, assistance that they're um, needing, their therapist is not going to take them seriously. They're not going to take their problem seriously. They're just going to think, okay, you're in, you are already a moral person. Whatever is coming your way, you deserved it. Um, and then when you have like the um, the title of victim of human trafficking or victim of sex trafficking, uh, a therapist will actually take them more seriously, try to treat their problems, try to treat mm-hmm. their traumas and see what uh, people can do to help them out. And the same thing happens with the, uh, uh, it's not the dissertation, but you know, research, but right. uh, similar <laughs> things happen when it comes to like the police force. Um, we uh, approach these things with our own human moral um, perspective that, oh, because we already uh, criminalize the act of sex on top of that, uh, we're criminalizing the act of sex work, you're automatically seen as less than because of what you're doing. You're a criminal. So I'm not going to look at the fact that you were just raped. You shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. That's the mindset. Mm-hmm. You got what you deserved because you shouldn't have been breaking the law. You shouldn't have been having uh, sex and being paid for it. So what happened there, it doesn't matter. You broke the law. So your trauma that you experienced in that moment doesn't matter to us. Right. And it does make sex also 
just look bad. Like just mm-hmm. the act of sex is just very negative. And I think that's, that's a mindset. I think we need to change. And I know that though, that mindset, I don't know if that will change because America actually is very, very religious. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, I can't remember, but I think like the U S is like uh, in the top five most religious countries in the world. Yes. Which I thought was insane because isn't the whole, the whole reason why they founded America was to, um, was to go against like the, was it the Catholic church of England or something like that? Mm-hmm. So. For, relig- for religious freedoms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's interesting. And that's, you know, it still plays a big role in our laws. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this will be a great way to, um, go into like the different types of sex work, um, because uh, like you mentioned earlier, uh, it's not just all prostitution. And I know even some of the stuff that I do, well, I already know I'm a sex worker, so that's different, but, um, (laughs) like in terms of the other things I do when it comes to like sex coaching, that's, uh, considered sex work, uh, sex Mm -hmm. therapy is sex work. Um, but the, the, the field of sex work is expanding so much um, outside of just being uh, an entertainer um, that to me, it, it makes it even a, a, a more reason why you should decriminalize it so that we can have these effective resources under the title of sex work that are that will all be protected that uh, like even when I think about this like me in the business space and needing to advertise I cannot advertise because it's so much things that's blocking me from doing that because it's considered sex work Mm -hmm. yeah I think yeah there's so many new things um that's now like part of sex work. That's part of that, that realm. And it's just kind of interesting because how do you, how do you determine what's legal and what's not? Because you sex therapy is legal. You can have sex therapy and sex counseling, but why is that? Okay. But not the act of sex or like, you know, pornography or, you know, whatever. And so it's hard to like, like who gets to say what's good or not, you know? Exactly. And I, I, I don't think we, uh, a lot of people even want to engage in that dialogue because it makes you have to think critically, like what, what makes this thing outweigh that other? Because right. when it comes to uh, film, we can have a sex scene in any type of movie. Okay. It has to be PG-13 up. Well, even for some of the PG-13 uh, films, I think some of the sex sexually related things are a little bit too sexual for kids but (laughs) (laughs) like you can have those kind of sexual acts uh in these films uh and let's go like in some tv shows um that are you know rated for the mature audience you have full on sex scenes going on yeah you're not showing um like um vulvas penetration or or like mm -hmm. you're not seeing the actual appendages of the people but you can see the breast of women the breast of men you can see that they're grinding on each other you can see everything that looks like sex just not the penetration so we're comfortable with blurring the line at the actual penetration of it showing like a, a penis penetrating a vulva or anything like that that's too uncomfortable for people yet showing the act without the penetration is is okay like why is Mm -hmm. there a line there we if if people want to indulge in that um and enjoy that kind of content let them do it um personally i love a film that engages me on all levels so if uh i was watching a, a film that even showed the um all aspects of the body, all aspects of the sexual experience, I'm going to love that film so much more because of that, because it's a lot more realistic than just, you know, the surface level things, just the grinding of it all. Like, I get not all people want to do that, but of of course, that's why you have those people who can act and um, act sexually in sex work, you know? Yeah. And in general, I think just Hollywood is just put, it's double standards, you know, like Hollywood is just put on a different level, different standards. They have their own 
world. Like, I feel like they're, they just have different laws, you know? Um, cause it is, what's the difference of that in porn? You know, it's, we know exactly what they're doing and they're, you know, we still see the human body and it's just, I was just thinking about like, um, hustlers, for example, you know, that movie with like Jennifer Lopez and everybody and their people loved it. They liked, um, they shared the artwork, you know, like the movies in, in on Instagram or like social media and they're playing as strippers and like, yes, they're actresses playing as strippers and they can do that. But then if an actual stripper does that on their Instagram page, they can get blocked. They could, you know, get their page taken down. Like it's considered sex work. And so like, why does Hollywood get to do that? But then the, an actual stripper who's who's an actual professional cannot do that. Right. Oh, why you had to say strippers? Okay, so this is a shout out to my favorite stripper people. So if y'all want to go see her content, feel free to look at it. She's beautiful. She's like, I love her because she's very talented. Nicole, the pole Williams. Oh my God, sis is great. I saw this one video of her. Um, it was her audition for um, um, Poured Up by Rihanna. Sis was on the roof just i'm like girl is spider-man at this point like how is she <laughs> up there like feet on the ceiling good god girl like love it love it but like even that that can be too much for somebody yet mm -hmm. you can watch the music video <laughs> with her right? in it yeah doing everything that she's doing in that same video and it's like oh well that's a music video it's fine it's okay but her doing this on instagram is not like i can i can clip the music video and share it like you said no no problem at all i can even promote it if i wanted to no problem but me doing my own individual performance um and putting that out there wanting to promote that on these apps or whatever is not going to go far it might even get denied it might even get um um get me banned mm -hmm. all these things can happen and i'm and this it doesn't make sense yeah um so another thing uh outside of you know the advertisement side the business side of you know sex work there is that important aspect of sex education um uh, what uh, you went into it um briefly earlier but what were some of your uh, personal experiences with sex ed, like what kind of programs, what were some of the things you were taught, some of the narratives, the messaging revolved around sex that you had to unlearn when you took that human sexuality class? So my first sex ed class was in high school and it wasn't even a full semester. So, you know, so school has two semesters. And so the, the sex ed portion of it was half a semester. So it was literally a quarter of a year that mm -hmm. we even talked about it. And what I can recall from that, I mean, it's been a while since I've been in high school, but <laughs> it wasn't very educational. Like we learned about the different STDs and STIs. And I just remember vividly my teacher walking around, he had like this manila folder and everyone's like, okay, what is this? And um, he put it down, like there was like four rows of desks and he put like one on each, you know, the front desk and just, he just told us like to open it, look at it and then pass it back to the person behind you. And everyone like got to look at it. And it was literally just nasty ass pictures of, you know, like gonorrhea and syphilis and like just different SCs and STIs. And basically it's just like a shock factor, I guess. Mm. I think that was, you know, the strategy at the time. And it was basically saying like, if you have sex a bunch of times, this is what could happen to you. And we, and it was just, yeah, it was nasty as gross. Like everyone's like, oh my God, ew. Um, <laughs> but like, it didn't really teach us very much about the human anatomy. We didn't go into detail about, like pregnancy or like how your period works or, you know, when a sperm hits an egg whole like ordeal, like all of that stuff. We didn't really talk about it. We, uh, I think we watched a video on someone giving birth, but I think again, that's just kind of another shock factor. Like, 
you know, look at this lady's vagina and how big it opens and a baby shoots out. Like, I don't think it really was very educational. I think they were, I think that they were really just trying to shock kids into thinking like, you know, this is like, what can happen if you have sex too much or have sex at all. But we're all high schoolers. Like I'm pretty sure majority of that class are probably aren't even virgins anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> like, I don't know how helpful it was. Um. Right. I know like for um, my sex ed, if you can call it that, I think it was <laughs> like two days. Um, and I, if we went to like the, this was middle school. I was in seventh grade. I remember going to like the auditorium. Uh, and I think everybody that was in seventh grade was there. Are we, they did it by class or whatever. I don't know. But <clears throat> everyone's sitting in there. They had a little projector up there. They had notebooks for everybody. So they were like, they showed some pictures. They talked about condoms. They pretty much did a lot to scare people. Um, essentially, you get an STI, you're leading, you're going to die. Essentially, that was the message that I received <laughs> at the time. Um, they briefly went over HIV. And of course, they, they said, if I remember correctly, there was like, uh, these days, HIV is no longer a death sentence, but be careful because you can easily get full-blown AIDS and die or something of that nature. And I'm like, oh my God, what are we talking about here? <laughs> and then um, they, uh, we all received the little, um, the little booklets, which mm, had some additional yep. information. We had to like answer some questions that I guess that was our little test. And then that was it. That was our sex ed and nothing else back we did not even have any kind of discussion in high school about sex ed or anything like that luckily i went to a high school that was focusing on health science and we when we learned the reproductive uh, system my um, teacher at the time she went in because that was her thing she was all anatomy and physiology so we talked about a good bit of that not necessarily diseases but you know how the body works then right now I, I would say that that experience just did not help out at all. So I definitely had to learn on my own at that point. And I even looked at the program today, um, like what students in my county uh, oh, are. Did. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on it. Like I want to make sure that they're learning the right material. And I would say the school district catfished me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So what ended up happening, I found the curriculum and I saw what they had. They had chapters that they were going over and I'm like, okay, let me look at this resource and see what's going on. So the uh, I found the program that they're using and I'm like, okay, they're doing comprehensive sex education. Look at oh, you. Good. I love it. That's the catfish. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I look at the actual chapters to see what they're teaching these young kids these days. And the chapters were, I think chapter 14 or 13 was all about abstinence. Um, the other chapter was about STIs. And then um, I, I forget what the other ones were about. I think they were doing three or four chapters from the mm -hmm. book. And I'm like, this is essentially abstinence only education and not a comprehensive education even though the program itself is very comprehensive that's not helpful right yeah like it's it's it's, it's poor it's poor yeah <laughs> that's so that's very unfortunate like I um so we were talking about this earlier uh I did take a human sexuality class in college loved it like one of my favorite classes because it's just like so eye-opening I think there's some parts of the class that maybe parents wouldn't want their high schooler to learn which is fine mm -hmm. um, but it was very like comprehensive had so much it went through the anatomy it went through uh everything like all the sexual parts of your body and not include not just your penis and vagina you know there's so much more and they talk about like how like you know, when you have sex, what impacts other parts of your body too. And they talked about childbirth, like doing it naturally, doing it with like, um, what are they called? You're talking about like uh, water birth or uh, epidurals? 
Um, yeah, well, so they talked about, you know, the traditional way that everyone does it, you know, go to the hospital, but also oh. um, with a, oh, oh, a doula, a doula. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Brain fart. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so they talked about different options that you can have. They even talked about different toys. My teacher or my professor came in with this huge bag and we're like, all the students were like, Ooh, like what's in the bag, you know? And she's just like dumped it on the table. And it was just like all different kinds of toys. And she went over like what the different toys are, what parts of the body or like what, you know, different things like stimulate you. And it was very like educational because you don't really think about that. You know, um, I think growing up, like all I thought was like, well, there's a dildo and that's pretty much it, <laughs> like, right. you know, and there's just like so much more to it. And she talked about, you know, just different stimulation and it's just, it was such a good class. And it really talked about, you know, like, cause abstinence only classes just don't work. Like most of the students who are in that class or in high school probably already had sex. It's a little too late for them on that. And so we really just need to teach them like how to be safe and teach them about also birth control. That's another thing we talked about was all the different types of birth control. You know, I only thought there was just, you know, you just take the pill, mm. but there's just so much more to that. Right. And even with the pill, like how that the pill has different applications for different people. Like some people don't mm-hmm. take it for like, um, you know, to control their birth. Some do it because of skin, skin care, or even just hormone balancing. Like there's so much things, so many things that uh, proper sex ed can do to help people with their daily lives that we don't get to learn about because we're focusing on abstinence only. And uh, one of the things that I uh, learned recently, um, this was November of last year, um, we were, I was looking into different articles um, to, you know, build up my content uh, for the month. And uh, I learned that uh, one of the downfalls to abstinence and abstinence-only programs is that whenever somebody abstains from sex, that actually lowers their sperm count, which means it makes it harder for them to actually, uh, you know, uh, have feasible uh, sperm whenever they are trying to uh, engage in to, you know, like form, build their families with their partner. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're telling people that they should be absent only and also telling them that they shouldn't masturbate and stuff like that. When this has real life consequences to that belief system, most definitely for those people who do want to have kids, who do want to have families and whatnot. So you get to a point where you're ready and now you have another obstacle, uh, obstacle because you chose to, you know, abstain for until you were married or you were too afraid to are uh, felt ashamed to masturbate that you prevented what the easier option because you know you were just so pent up or whatever it is so it's like understanding and knowing the consequences of the things that we're teaching is very important most definitely when it comes to sexuality yeah and that um, not just only making babies, but it also impacts your future relationships. Mm. Like, <laughs> did you watch, I think it's like love something and goop. Oh yes. Love, sex and goop. Yes. Yeah. Love, sex and goop. And I thought it was so fascinating because there's that one lady who, um, who couldn't really have sex, right? Like her, she was really closed off because mm-hmm. of like tra- her trauma and, you know, your body does stuff, right? It's trying to protect you all like all the time. And so if you have that childhood trauma, or if you have, um, you know, just that negative stigma about sex your whole life and your body will, will react to that trauma. And for that lady, you know, she shut down her, essentially her urethra closed up, you know, and she couldn't really like do insertion because it was too painful. And that's just her body's reaction to, to her past and what she learned about sex mm-hmm. like this when um this is why i'm a firm believer that um most definitely for people who are receiving therapy um to look into like to take a holistic approach to your body because definitely you do have to work on the mental side but just because you worked on the mental side does not mean that the body no longer uh, re- uh, remembers that 
trauma because your body remembers your body will mm-hmm. tense up regardless of how much you work through that problem through your therapy your body is going to react because that's what it's used to it's trying to fight that so even utilizing uh, different you know approaches to therapy be it body work massage therapy uh, seeing how that can help your body heal even more uh, from whatever traumas that are you know presenting itself in your body in your mind in your spirit your soul whatever it is just making sure that you heal yourself on uh like multiple levels uh, most definitely when it comes to your interactions with your current or future partners mm-hmm. and that's like a great example why we need sex therapists or sex counselors mm-hmm. is because there is trauma that people endure and it does impact their sex life mm-hmm. and like that, I think that's well, I know that's one of the main reasons that's making me want to go into sex therapy is just even from doing my independent research or even uh, in the drafting of my book and having conversations with other people, I learned how like I'm not the only person who has the, these uh, traumatic experiences, but there's a, a large amount of people who have traumas that they have not addressed in their lives most definitely sex related traumas and a lot of the messaging that we received when we were younger or even as adults surrounding sex prevents you from recognizing that you're you've experienced something traumatic that's like with uh, uh, uh there's a large portion of uh men who've experience sexual trauma uh, as uh, like teenagers um, because it was socialized that it was okay for, you know, a guy to have sex with the older woman. No, that is not okay. That is, that's considered statutory rape. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a traumatic experience that you, uh, that child did not have to go through. Um, but just having those kind of conversations is um, impactful to someone. Um, and again, another reason why we do have to, uh, you know, relinquish that stigma around sex. Another reason why sex work should be uh, decriminalized is so that a lot more people can be exposed to the fact that, hey, this happened. It was not okay, and these are room. This there's room for you to grow from that. Uh, otherwise, you have a lot of people just repeating circles of trauma because they don't know how to escape it. Yeah, and I love that you brought that up about you know little boys or young men uh, because there is this stigma, or there is you know people don't really take them seriously. Like I remember terry cruz during like the me too movement was talking about his truth about what he experienced but i think it was like so like wendy williams or somebody Mm. was like making fun of him or like you know like you know she didn't take it seriously and it's like well you know you still need consent no matter what gender you are Mm -hmm. you know consent is so important i think that's something we didn't really talk about well i think we did talk about consent in high school but we didn't talk about how uh, it may be viewed differently depending on your gender and the, how we need to like think of it as, as a whole that, you know, it's your body and that you should have the say of what you, um, whether people can or cannot touch your body, do whatever with your body. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Cause it is important people. Uh, <laughs> on that <laughs> note, I'll say this will be a great time to transition over to the, uh, the Never Have I Ever segment. Um, so let me pull a card. So okay. um, the question that, well, not question. Um, what I have here is Never Have I Ever Not Pooped for More Than Five Days. Oh, been constipated for four, four, five or more days. You need to go see a doctor. <laughs> five days. <laughs> But really, though, <laughs> definitely go see a doctor. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I, I will have to be on the, uh, I have not experienced that. I'm grateful that I have not. Uh, healthy bowel movements, people. I think um, if you get to like two days, it's probably time to start thinking about if you're constipated or not. And (laughs) (laughs) there's home remedies. I think one of the things that people recommend is like uh, coffee uh, is a good thing to, you Mm -hmm. know, help get the bowels going. Um, Definitely do that. Uh, (laughs) But get some prune juice. (laughs) Oh, yes. Prune juice. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't know why I got excited by that. (laughs) 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 My mind 
uh, and taste buds went to cranberry juice prune juice is not that tasty <laughs> yeah <crazy>. no <laughs> <laughs> i think um, the only time though that that was a problem for me was i i was younger mm-hmm. and i think i went like on vacation with a bunch of girls and we had to share one bathroom and I was just way too anxious. Mm. And so, I, yeah, that was the only time though, but I don't think it was five days, right. maybe a weekend. That. I get that. That's like when I um, first went off to college, um, I was comfortable, you know, using the bathroom in my room, but I did not want to, cause I don't know, I was very uncomfortable with you using uh, public bathrooms, mm-hmm. but there was this one day I had the slushy and the slushy was just doing all kinds of things with my body at that day. And I was like, you know what? I know I cannot make it to the room. I'm going to this bathroom in this building. I don't care. <laughs> and ever since then, I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm not going to fight my body and let my, I'm going to let my body do what it needs to do. If I have to go, I have to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's like the blessing of getting older. I don't know about you, but for Mm. me, I just don't care. I'm like, I'm not going to hurt my body just because, you know, I might be embarrassed. Like, no, you, everyone poops, get over it. Get over it. Exactly. Buy some poopery. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I like I'm I'm with you there. Like as oh, as I got older, I just stopped caring. The more age I uh, I gain, the less I stop I stop caring about what others think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm at that point. I'm just like you know what? If I'm in public spaces, I will at least wear clothing, and that's all. I will <laughs> make sure I'm not wearing anything that I know will offend like a child. I don't care about adults. If I'm going to a, a space where I know it's going to be nothing but adults, look, I'm going to wear something lacy and be happy and be free and comfortable. Mind your business. Um, <laughs> but other than that, in public spaces, I'm just like, I'm going to be comfortable. All you people who just like, oh, you can't be walking around Walmart looking like that. I'm going to be in Walmart looking like that and not caring. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the people in Walmart? No one cares. <laughs> right. <laughs> no one's caring anyways. <laughs> I'm a person of Walmart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like another? Sure. Let's see. Never have I ever forgotten to take drugs out of my backpack backpack while on the way to an airport. No, I'm, I'm way too, uh, I'm a planner. I'm very like, I have a checklist. I have a spreadsheet of when I travel of all the things that I need to bring and everything. So that will never, I don't think that will ever be a problem, honestly. Wow. You are like very organized. A spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need stuff. I, I have, I literally have one for like solo trips. If it's just me mm-hmm. one, if it has like my husband, my dog, I even have like a Disneyland checklist. Wow. It's a lot. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I admitted that to you, but <laughs> <laughs> a Disneyland checklist is new for me. <laughs> I would not have thought. Now I have to know one, what what do you typically have on like your solo checklist? And what do you have that's different on your Disneyland checklist? So solo checklist is just your basics, you know, your toiletries, what clothes, and it really also depends on the trip. Like I'll mm. adjust it to a trip and like the weather. So it's, it's, you know, it's different every time. Um, but like Disneyland, you got to have like your mini ears. You've got to have like hand sanitizer. Cause you know, grubby hands everywhere, sticky mm. fingers everywhere. Got to have like, um, what else is in Disneyland? Oh, comfortable shoes and like different insoles. Like the, when I went to Disneyland, for um, my husband and I went to Disneyland for Christmas. I think we walked like maybe oh, it was like 25 to 50,000 steps a day. Ooh. Yeah. That's a it's a lot. Us. So you got to like bring that arch support and like, you know, <laughs> nice shoes. And there's just like, yeah, stuff like that. You know what? I really do need to make another trip to um, Disneyland or oh, was it Disney World? I, don't, I forget. It's some Disney, the one that's in Florida. I forgot. Oh, Disney World. <laughs> Disney World. There we go. And the main reason why is because I cannot forget 
the turkey leg that I had the last time I went there. And that thing tasted so delicious. And it had it to be turkey, it tasted like pork and it tasted like mm-hmm. a very, very, very delicious ham. And I'm just like, I'm okay with this. Like <laughs> I will eat poultry every single day if if it tasted like that, that turkey leg. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's the corn dog. I ha- have to have a corn dog. Mm. There's something about Disneyland corn dog. It's just really good. I don't know why. Their food is drugged. I'm convinced now. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'll still eat it. <laughs> 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 Send me a turkey leg, y'all. I appreciate it. I'm joking. Please don't do that because I don't check my mail that often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Melissa, do you have any uh, last words, tips, tricks, anything that you'd like to share with the audience? I'm just really honored to be on here. Like, I love the whole idea of your podcast. I love that it's sex positive and uh, I did listen to some of your episodes and they're, they're great. They're so lighthearted, like, and it's not, you know, it's not like sex is bad or like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank <It's> like... You. <laughs> so I love, I love the idea. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on. And if your listeners like me and liked what I talked about, hopefully like come check out my podcast. Uh, you can find everything at the talkative introvert podcast.com. Literally everything's on there. I'm not going to like plug all my like, <laughs> stuff. Just go to the website. <laughs> right. And the info will also be in the show notes. People, I need to like really be like do better at letting people know those things exist. I just assume if you're listening to podcasts, you, you know that the show notes are there, but people don't look at the show notes. Everything's going to be there for y'all. And yes, go listen to her fucking podcast. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, very lighthearted conversations as well. Thank um, you. You're welcome. So, on that note, uh, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Melissa. I appreciate you. Um, and for the listeners, thank you all so much for listening to the Whole Liloquy podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. And just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough, and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay you are only required to walk in your own shoes may each day you live lead you towards abundance with that said love you all and see you next episode bye bye thank you for listening to the holiloquy podcast where we step out and speak on sexuality you can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com that's www.h-e-a-u-x L-I-L-O-Q-U-Y dot com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.